what we'd like to do today, we, uh, me and my two buddies here, the buddy buddy, and then the Ben buddy, we've been talking throughout the week, um, back and forth about uh, what we see and what we hear um, from friends and family and on social media, and I thought it'd be a good idea to have us all up here and just kind of have a discussion. Um, we'll probably open it up at the end, maybe. I've got my live stream going right here to some questions, and we may, hopefully we'll have time to answer a few questions too if you guys have any. Um, but what I wanted to, to kind of tackle, I wanted to continue with what we were talking about last week with uh, the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God looks like and uh, how the kingdom is still advancing regardless of what we sometimes see or feel that's going on around us, um, that we are, we are uh, grounded on the solid rock and the foundation of what Jesus has done, that uh, the most amazing thing and uh, the most powerful thing has already happened, and that's the foundation that we, we live on. We are on... Uh, Mount Zion, not Mount Sinai, as we talked about last week. We do not come to the mountain in fear. Um, and we're not afraid to, uh, to lift the veil because uh, God has, has already lifted the veil for us. The glory is not fading. Uh, kind of recapping what we talked about last week. Um, but because of Jesus, it's everlasting, it's eternal. And so the glory we have is now not in us and our ability to perform a certain way, but our our the ever-increasing glory comes from Christ, and we get to live from that place, so it's a really neat thing. Um, but what I, before we get into um, tackling some of the things that I mentioned on Facebook when I posted about the coronavirus and uh, that's some of the subjects I want to talk about, but before we even get to that, I think it's important that we kind of find, a, find our place um, as far as how we fit into this grand story. And the Bible, if, you, if you're familiar with the Bible at all, it goes from Genesis to Revelation. There's Old Testament and New Testament, and then there's this Old Covenant that, the, that uh, God people had um, that Jesus fulfilled, and then there's this new covenant that he brought, and I feel like we need to find our place there before we can even get started in this, because if we don't find our place in this grand story, then we can begin to pull things from the wrong places and just plop them down in, the, in, in our lives when they don't need to be there necessarily. There are some things that are for us to learn from that don't necessarily apply to us every, every situation that we deal with, because it's not us-centered, it's Christ-centered. So what we believe at our church, and, and I think hopefully you guys agree, that the Bible is all about Jesus. We are a Christ-centered church. Church, It's a, a Christocentric hermeneutic. We, we, uh, we believe that Christ is, the, is, the, is from Genesis to Revelation. It's all pointing towards Christ, um, every bit of it. So um, as, we, as we move forward in discussing, what we like to look at here is we look through the lenses of Jesus. We look through the lenses of the new covenant um, and the finished work of Jesus in everything that we do. And so that helps clarify a lot of things for us. So um, just kind of wanted to kind of set that foundation before we even get started. Um, and then we'll kind of open for discussion as far as did, did uh, the, big, the big question and the big, some of the statements and videos and things that I've seen is that God has sent the coronavirus as, as a punishment or as a lesson maybe or as some way for us to quote unquote turn back to God, whether that's as a nation or as the earth or, I mean, I don't know, there's no real... That's, that's not clear in most of the things that I see. All I see is that God is, and not all I see, but some of what I see is that God has sent this. Um, and so we'll tackle that. I'd like to kind of tackle that first, and we'll kind of move on from there, and we'll just kind of see where it goes. This is, I've got some scriptures that I've kind of been, been thinking about and praying about, but we're just going to kind of uh, spitball here and talk about it a little bit. So what do you guys think? Do you think this is a judgment from God for us to turn from our wicked ways? Well, and, I think it's really easy for us to try to take things that go on in the world and mm -hmm. try to interpret the character of God by them. Um, and uh, God gets the rap for everything from, you know, the Holocaust to coronavirus. And so it's very easy for us to say, well, 
God did X or Y, especially when you can't open the Bible and, you know, turn to Hebrews and look up the verse that says something about coronavirus. Uh, so there's a bunch of conjecture uh, that that's been made uh, about the character of God based on, you know, different events. Um, you know, it's just like, kind of reminds me of, and I, I may be misquoting this, I want to say, uh, it may have been Jerry Falwell that said it, and I'm just quoting him openly, so he's the one that did on public TV, so you <laughs> take it up with him, but uh, I believe it was him that said something along the lines of, you know, the, the, when the Twin Towers happened, uh, that that happened as a result of, you know, America embracing homosexuality or something of that nature. If I'm quoting him wrong, fight me in the comments, but <laughs> it's uh, that same way of thinking, right. you know, that God made this happen because we did this, and it's, uh, it's a very egotistical way of viewing God because then we make him completely reactionary to everything that we do. Right. He's just sitting there saying, oh, you did this, and I'm going to do that. Well, you did it right, well, I'm going to do this right. You did it wrong, I'm going to do it, that, do it this way now. And uh, I think if to judge the, or to come to a conclusion about the character of God based on things that are bad that happens, and even things that are good that happen sometimes, uh, we can come to the wrong conclusion because our basis of what the character of God's likes, obviously, is his word, not our perceived good right. or bad experiences. Well, just like you were saying, the the before you just throw something in the midst, you know, like coronavirus, and say, well, God's doing this, you, there's a lack of understanding of what is how God operated in the old covenant and how he's operating in the new covenant. Right. And a common theme, even before the coronavirus happened, is the church is there's a lot of confusion when it comes to this. So the character of God gets blame for an awful lot of things that he's not, he is not doing, you know, right. so we, we find in scripture that, that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, so I don't know how millions of people dying of coronavirus is the goodness of God, you see what I mean, right. so either that is, either God is trying to shed his love and goodness on this world, and through that goodness, they will, they will respond, I've learned that that is the case. So, but when it comes to the church, and I say the church, I'm just, I mean, just from churchianity, as we would say, there's a lot of confusion here. So it's easy to use this as an opportunity to strike fear and say, well, God's doing this to bring people back to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I had a, uh, one of my suppliers, I called him and, you know, did it took care of our business and then he you know he asked me he's like so what do you think about all this and I was like about what he said about this whole virus you think God's trying to prove a point and I says well I think God proved his point when it come to sin 2,000 years ago yeah. when he put Jesus on the cross that right. was the point that he tried to prove now the question is do we believe that he judged all the sins of mankind on the cross then and there right and is God still good you right see? so yeah, and I think <clears throat> along that point, too, in order to reach back into an old covenant that we, most of us were not invited to anyway, that, that Jesus fulfilled, you have to skip over Jesus. You have to go over to try to pull that, and you can't do that. You, you, that, to me, just like I said in the beginning, takes away to the center of the Bible. The, everything that the Bible points towards 
you have to skip over that and go and pull something out of the old covenant and, and plop it in, in our laps right now, and it just doesn't work. It, to me, negates the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Just like Ben was saying, did, did he, did, was it really finished? You know, did he say it is finished or it is finished, but, and, and I don't see a but there. So. Well, and it also, uh, when we view God and how he interacts with us based on, you know, particularly negative things like this, is that we, we put God in a position where he's still, at, at, uh, he, that we're still at adversity with him. Right. Now, or he's at adverse towards us. Now, mankind very well may be and is often, you know, at odds with God, but God is not at odds with us. So the, the, the Bible is clear about that, that, you know, he, he separated, he took away that enmity. I believe he talks about that in Ephesians uh, chapter 2 and, and in chapter number 3. Uh, he talks about how, uh, you know, that the, the cross has brought peace. So the question is, for us as believers, is did Christ bring peace by the blood of his cross? Did he take care of sin, which was a really good point, by the way, um, you know, all those years ago? Or is he still in a position where he's against us. You know what I mean? Right. Even as unsaved people, they, we give unsaved people the idea that God is like this megalomaniac when we say things like, or we espouse things, or we hint to things uh, that, you know, like God is still conquering. There's, like you were talking about, the unshakable kingdom. God is not conquering anything. In the essence of the timeline, it's done. Right. right. And... Um, He's just waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. It's Correct. Like, it's right. Clear. And it's going to happen. Right. You know, and it's, it's, not done, e- it's a done deal. And it's not even a matter of if we're, if we're not careful, and I'll try not to dialogue too much here, but uh, we talked about this in the hallway. If we're not careful, we make it out to be like God's trying to win. Right. And we've set up this Lord of the Rings type mentality when it comes to the gospel, which I like the Lord of the Rings. But uh, nonetheless, you know, Christianity is not you know, the battle of Helm's Deep, you know, right? right? Hashtag nerd points. But, uh, you know, it's, we talked about this, the eschatology of world religions. They all have this end times, and this is another thing that's coming up. Oh, is this the end? Is this the plague? It's a sign. You know, I guess Dwight Schrute's getting his wish. You know, this world needs another plague. Boom, there you go. But uh, we kind of make it out to be like, you know, all these world religions, they've got a, a way of thinking about the end where their God wins. Right, right. The difference between world, the eschatology of world religions and the worldview of, the, that, of that sector of religion is that there's something very different pronounced about, you know, our God and how he entered into this creation when he said that, I, when they speaking of Jesus in the book of Revelation, that he was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. right. So it's not like he's playing catch up here with all this, right? You know, this uh, he didn't. He wasn't like, oh my gosh, coronavirus, you know, right. or oh my gosh, a hurricane, or you know, thank God there's Facebook for the memes, you know. I mean, it or, wasn't. Or oh my gosh, I didn't realize the world was going to send this much. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. Sin caught, caught God completely off guard. Right. right. And I think a lot, the, a lot of the stuff we find God doing in the Bible, we think that we're He's doing it for Himself. Right. Right. But when that's not the case at all, everything that he, he did from Old Covenant to New was for our benefit, not for his. Right. It, right. We, we're very bad about that uh, in Christianity, make, trying to say that, you know, God's doing this like, because he needs to feel better about what's going on down here. Right. right. End of speech. <laughs> well, I think uh, 
I think we have to be clear, too, about how the Old Covenant worked in blessings and cursings, and there was a cycle that they were stuck in where they would, they would, they would do a really good job, and God was happy at them, and then they would drop the ball, and then he would be unhappy at them and send, send a curse, and then they would repent, and then everything would be well. And it's just a cycle that goes around. The problem is we can't reach back into that covenant and throw that on ours because that's not right. how our covenant works. The new covenant, as we, as we, as we know, uh, most of us in, in here and out in internet world are Gentiles. We're heathens, essentially. We were outside of God's chosen people, which was the, the first covenant. So when we were invited to this new covenant, it was instead of the old covenant, do good, get good, do bad, get bad, we we, uh, Jesus did good for us, and so we get God, essentially. So he took the place of, of us. He sacrificed for us so that we could have a relationship with the Father. Now, from that foundation, we talk about this unshakable kingdom. That's where that comes from. The unshakable kingdom is in Christ. It's not anywhere else. It's not reactionary to what's happening around us. And we've talked about this way before coronavirus, um, is the circumstances that surround us don't define us as Christians. The Holy Spirit that lives within us defines us as Christians. Right. And so when we... If we are just reacting to the things that are going on around us, um, just as Buddy was saying, we're, we're not in competition with other religions. We're not trying to say our, our God's better. Um, it's actually a little bit better and worse than that. We believe that Jesus is the only way because he's the only one that could take our sins. He was the only one that fulfilled all the prophecies from, from the Old Covenant and the Old Testament and, and was the only one that could open the scroll. He was the only one the, that, that could be slain for our sins. So I think from that foundation... Um, our worldview should change radically and, and not reactionary, just like you guys were saying, not reacting to everything that's going on around us, but acting and, and functioning from an unshakable kingdom to those that are around us. It changes our perspective. Well, the, the worldview that, have, that must change, especially in the church today, is God is not reacting to right, sin. Right, right. That God reacted to sin. It's, yeah. He reacted to it. Yeah. You know, so that is done. So now we're, we are left with with the choice of believing that or thinking it's still a question mark, but God made an exclamation point. When yep. he said it was finished, that this part of it was done, right. when we continue to make it an undone work, we, we give and we allow in people's minds to have doubt about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, had, I had, had a couple verses. We were talk, you know, talking about this in Philippians 4, um, talking about peace in the circumstances, you know, Paul uh, says in Philippians, he says in verse 6 and 7, says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And he says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So, you know, we find that God's peace passeth all understanding. So the question is, why? Why is it? What is it about the peace of God that, that goes beyond just what we would, we would normally experience as peace? Because everybody can experience some kind of peace. Right. But at the end, of, you know, if they say tomorrow, well, this coronavirus is, there's no more new cases and everybody's going to get back to work and, you know, our $1,200 checks going to be in the mail and whatever that's going to be. It's going to bring some form of peace, but that peace was a product of something acting upon you. You know what I mean? That's that's we all experience that type of peace. And it's, tempor God's it's temporary. Peace is different. Right. God's, it's temporary versus eternal peace. God's too. peace passeth understanding, which I, I like what Jesus said in John sixteen. Me too. He says, "These things have I spoken to you that that in me you might have peace, 
in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good be of good courage. I've overcome the world. Right. So Jesus says, look, if you're looking to go to the world, if you're looking to find your peace from the world, you're not going to find that there. And if you do, it'll only be temporary. Right. But if you find your peace in me, the fact that I have already overcome all of these things that you fear, like sin and judgment coming upon you, that he's taking care of those things, that God is not responding to us and unleashing, you know, famines and unleashing pandemics on the world because he was, he underestimated how much sin the world was going to be doing, that, you know, we can have a peace that goes way beyond just how our circumstances are. Right. So imagine those believers today not panicking right now over this because they know who's really in control. Right. That's the peace that passes understanding. Like uh, Andrew Farley, I've heard him say before, the, the world comes at us. Right. It's like constantly coming at us. And uh, I think one of the things, I think the only thing that we, we've uh, underestimated about sin or maybe even misapplied is the effect that it has had on the surroundings that we still operate in. Right. You know, everything from our body to, you know, how food grows out of the ground. You know, it, it's, there's, you know, according to, you know, what traditional eschatology is within the church, uh, and of course there's different nuances of it, but there's coming that time where things are going to be renewed and restored. Uh, what we see may be beautiful, but it's not what has, was, what's not what was intended. Right. You know what I mean? It's not the finished product. It's not the right. finished product. And even Paul said in Romans, you know, that even creation itself groans Rome, and is travail yeah. and suffers pain uh, even to this day as a result. Uh, you know, of the fall, and right. uh, while things, you know, and God was going to redeem the creation, but until we lived in the redeemed creation, as Ben, as we're all pointing out, I think the, we need to make sure that we're operating in our relationship with Christ in a fallen creation, as right. if it, we are completely redeemed, Right. you know, and as there's an aspect that we're still waiting on the body, obviously, Right. Uh, but the soul, the spirit, those things are in complete, are designed to be in complete harmony with God, right. I should say. Right. And uh, so we're operating from that in a place that's still very much, you know, taking a gut punch. Right. right. Yeah. And I think in, in the, some of the conversations I've had, I've had conversations with several different people from just friends and, and um, just random people and, and family and other pastors and different things like that. And some of the conversations I've had... Um, have been really good. They're all, they're all beneficial, even if we agree or disagree. Uh, but, but I know uh, there were a couple I had that people would say, well, okay, well, do you think it would be good if people, you know, turn from their sins and turn? I was like, yeah, I think it would be great. I, of course it would be good. And going, but kind of leading to, well, um, what if God is, is testing us or, or, or trying to get us to change the way that we do things? And, and, and I was like, well, if we go down that road, we have to go all the way down it. You can't halfway go down that road. And so I presented to them, I said, well, how much? How how many people will have to to not sin? What's going to be enough? Right. What I need to know. I need to know because if I'm a pastor, I need to let people right. know how much we need to turn. And eventually, I said, you know, what sacrifice needs to be made? And sure. I was I was kind of tongue in cheek there because I was bringing him back to Jesus again. What what do we do? What do we need to do to please God? And essentially, I was trying to trying to pull the thinking uh, from from this specific individual from an old covenant way of thinking into a Jesus-centered way of thinking, because if, if it's all reactionary on our part, if it's all based on us, we're all in trouble. 
Um, and it doesn't mean that we don't turn away from sin. Of course we turn away from sin. That's, like, that's kind of a given. It's pretty clear that we turn away from sin. But sin, sinning that we do is not the issue. Sin was the issue that Jesus took care of. And so I, when, we, when we start talking about what can we do, the more that we can do to please God, I, I think once I, just like I was saying, you have to skip over Jesus to get to that conclusion. Talk and about you, some unspoken expectations. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. And somebody just mentioned, too, when you speak on your mic, stick it closer to your mouth. They couldn't hear you. Okay. Stick it inside. We disinfected the microphones. We we beheaded the microphones and we doused okay. them, and they're clean. This one first, but so buddy, they can hear. I can hear. But oh, did buddy touch that one? I didn't. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we digress. So anyway, just put the mic closer to your mouth so everybody can hear you. We want people to hear you. That's all. Anyway, so well, we'll go ahead. Go. No, no, no. I was just trying to no. keep it close, just, <laughs> talk, just in case. Talk into your infected microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've, I've, one of the things about all this is that I've been on the same note as far as, you know, you know God sent this in order to get us to respond to him in some way. Uh, I found it very interesting as well, and uh, maybe it's the cynical part of me a little bit, um, that um, a lot of believers have taken this, particularly like, like what we're doing right now even with like Internet Church, Man, I, I, I've, you've seen it blow up. You take Facebook with a grain of salt, too, by the way, right? But I've seen it blowing up where they're taking this idea of even the church gathering together as like this spiritual stance that needs to be taken. Yeah. And they're turning it into a, a moral and an ethical behavior. Like, again, like, it's almost like you're looking for a devil behind every bush. Every bad thing that happens is you know, the wicked one coming at us and we've got to make our stand and declare these things. Well, you can declare them and that's fine. But if you go outside and you lick the, 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 the front door of Walmart, uh, you know, don't talk to me about how you declared yourself free of a, a virus that is living on every shopping cart in America or something, you know. Right. But, uh, and I have no scientific information for that statement. I just pulled it out of my hip like most of the time we do. I mean, it is but, Walmart. Yeah, so. just, what's that? <laughs> so I, I found I found it very interesting that uh, we've taken the, or this scenario is taken not only from this standpoint. What do we got to do to make God happy again? The other thing is, is well, I'm going to take my stand. Were you going to take your stand against the microbial world to prove what point? Right. You see what I mean? There is a large amount of ego that goes on with both sides of these arguments. Uh, that I think puts a bad taste, uh, not even necessarily a bad taste, but an absolute incorrect view of not only the Father, but also what He's done for our sin and how we are to interact in this world that is incredibly broken. Right. Well, the whole, I mean, the whole idea of living in the new covenant is you live with the truth that the Father's pleased with you, that He's pleased with you. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't, you should not shed your life of weights and sins or things like that, but it's the idea that even as Christ started off in his ministry being baptized, from the very, before he did his first miracle, the Father was pleased with him. And when we get saved and we trust Christ, we start off with knowing the truth that the Father is pleased, you know, I mean, with us. And that's a truth that cannot be on again, off again. You know what I mean? It can't be dating in junior high again. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's got to be a truth that you reckon these things to be so. So when these things come, like like Paul said in Romans 5, 
that we can glory in tribulation. Why? Because we know at the very beginning there, he says, look, we have, you know, we are at peace. You know what I mean? That God's not warring against us yeah. through a tribulation. So, I mean, instead of trying to make a tribulation and saying, look, you're on shaky ground with God, you can know that in a tribulation, it's still firm, and you're not, nothing has changed about how God feels about you. And you touched on it earlier, buddy, the character of God is what we need to be careful when we say stuff like this. Um, essentially, when we, when we say that God is reactionary, um, we're, we're kind of making him seem weak and... And the very character of God questioned as though he is against us and he's not. He's, God's not against us. And so I think that foundation is very heavily, the, the foundation of the kingdom is very heavily based on the, on the character of who God is and how he relates to his people, which is us now. It says that we are now heirs and co-heirs with Christ, that we are a royal priesthood. And that is not of our own. I, you know, I'm not a royal priesthood on my own. I couldn't be that. I'm not righteous on my own. I'm not holy on my own. None of us are. And so the, the fact that that, that God has stepped in with Jesus and given us this grace, has given us uh, the whole veil being lifted thing, has given us a better view of who God is and his character, I think. And I think when we begin to see the real, the true character of God, um, these things that happen around us will we'll begin to see how shaken they are. The whole And, and you alluded to as well, the, whole temp- the difference between a peace that surpasses all understanding um, and a temporary peace that we can see. That comes from finances, that comes from you know security and you know, having a house or these different things that we have that we think we're quote unquote safe. It comes from security. All those are temporary. And so when we look past the temporary and see in the eternal, which is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven that Jesus brought, it gives us a better perspective when we walk through these things. I think that's the key is we're not looking at, we're not, the Christian should not be looking for uh, a temporary uh, asylum or a temporary place that they can find peace. It's nice that we have it sometimes, but we can rejoice beyond temporary peace and, and, and turmoil and tribulation. Let me say this, too, that, that when we talk about a peace that passes understanding doesn't mean that somehow God gives you a blueprint in your brain of how it's all going to work out. There are times even when anxiety comes in my life that I don't even understand where the peace is coming from. Does it, you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I, I mean... By all rights, everything should be falling apart, but somehow God has a way of giving his children the peace that they need to step forward. Right. So that being said, if you're right now at home and this whole situation's got you scared, it's okay. How are you responding? You're responding how most people are when the circumstances of life seem unshaky if you don't know where your next paycheck is going to come from if you don't know if you're going to get the coronavirus if you and all these different things has has got fear what are you you're being human you know just as paul was scared that he was going to die you know what i mean along his journey he says look i die daily he's i put myself in peril all the time and my soul responds to these circumstances with fear you know trepidation i i don't know what's going to happen and, I mean, that's just being human, and right. there's nothing wrong with that, but at the end of the day, God has the ability to give us a peace that says, look, regardless of how things look, you can still have this peace that passeth all understanding, because if I see how I'm going to get to the finish line, then I understand, right. you know what I'm saying? So, God has a way of giving you that peace that you need. And Paul even said he's found the secret to contentment in that right. all things, regardless whether I have a lot of things or if I'm in prison, you know... Philippians 4, yeah. the verse I just, uh, where I just read comes yeah. out of that same thing, whatever I mean, he, state. 
It doesn't matter. Whatever's going on around me doesn't matter. I've got a peace that surpasses all understanding. I found the secret, the quote-unquote secret to being content in this life on earth that I'm not, I'm not bouncing off all the things that are going on around me, whether positive or negative. I've got a security inside of me, which is Jesus, beyond anything that I could do or anyone else could do. I think that's a, it bears a good point you're bringing up where you don't, we're not saying or implying that it's okay to, to live in a fear, but it is okay to recognize that you have it. Right. Yes, exactly. And um, there it's, I think it's incredibly self-righteous for us to pretend like, you know, it's not a fearful thing uh, to think, okay, literally, I mean, like you said, there are people that don't have paychecks. Right. You know, they're, they're not getting paid. Right. Um, but their mortgage company is still sending them the mortgage. Right. You know what I mean? They're, they have, some people have very frail health and are very uh, susceptible to not only, you know, uh, contracting something like this, but just the seasonal flu could wreck them. Right. You know what I mean? So there's, there's a large amount of that that needs to be, somebody, we just need to look at them and say, look, I understand. I get it. You know, and kind of have a little bit of sympathy on people rather than like treating them like they're stupid. Right. You know, because they have some legitimate physical concerns that could could you know enter into their life. Right. Um, their oh, spiritual ye of little faith. Ye of little faith. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I think that scared? I think that's key too because when we talk about an unshakable kingdom that we live from, not towards, right. it, it, you're not trying to make everything fit. Everything's already fit. And so if you if if you're looking for other people to fail or succeed for your theology to work, you're not looking at Christ, if that makes sense. Perfect sense. Yeah, so, so if you're living from the security of knowing who Christ is and who you are in him and him in you, then your perspective on everything that's around you changes, and you're not thinking about how you can, you know, I don't, I don't want to say judge, but basically judge or condemn or not condemn or, or treat people differently because of the way that they're acting or reacting to a virus or anything else. Um, you are stepping, stepping out of the love of Christ, essentially. You're saying that I don't care about all this stuff that I know is to be true. I'm going to just base everything on my reaction, everything that I see, and I'm going to build up and tear down people around me, and that's not... And really, who did Jesus come at more? The people that were afraid, that were sick, that were struggling, or did he come after the people who did nothing but condemn them? Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's, there's, a, there's right. a position that, that Jesus himself took on the earth towards those people that that were suffering from a myriad of different, you know, diseases, situations, social standings, the whole nine yards. So I think, and on top of this too, we're really, what we're doing, again, not to beat a dead horse on it, but we're, we're attacking, we're, we're inadvertently making accusations towards the character of God based on what we think a person should be, behave like. Right. I mean, is, is God's goal, is his main goal, if this is sent for correction and all this stuff that is being said, is God's main goal just to get us to stop sinning? Is that it? Right. right. Is it I a mean, moral achievement? Yeah, is, I mean, right. I mean, does he just want to, you know, high-five one of the archangels and say, we got it? You know right. what I mean? They didn't use a cuss word Wednesday. You know right. what I mean? Is that it? Right. There, there's Now, certainly what God has in store for us as redeemed individuals is less sin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but that isn't his goal. His, our goal is Christ, and he talks about it in that in Philippians chapter 3. You know, right. I, I press towards this mark, that mark of the high calling of God right. in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And that's the, that's the problem with law is you can't take part of it. You have to take it all. Correct. So law is going to always end up, the Scripture tells us it ends up in death because if you are 
bound to the law, you're going to be condemned by the law. It's the right. only it's the only way that it works. So if you say, well, we need, we need to turn or we need to, to do something, right. you need to tell me what we need to do. You need to you, you have to go all the way to the end. What do we need to do? Right. How much is enough? I, I have to, we have to know that. If you don't know that, then we're all in trouble. That's well, the thing. Well, that's why Paul told the Galatians, look, if you, when you operate under law, you operate under a curse. Right. And a curse is basically you're destined to fail. Yeah. You know what I mean? I always put it, I was a Cubs fan, so I always put it in terms of, of watching the Cubs, and, and it never failed. When they got to the end, you knew where, where, if they were just about to win the World Series. Now they have won since then, so they broke the curse. <laughs> but it didn't matter what happened. You knew something was going to happen, and, and they weren't going to get it. You know what I mean? And that's operating under a curse is knowing, look, you know, it may be looking good now, but something's going to happen. And that's the way law is. Yeah. It is perfection. You're going to blow it somewhere along the line. And Paul says, look, you're operating under a curse if you keep... And a lot of these questions get that come at you and come at us are law-based questions. Like you said, they're, they're rooted in... They're spawned or birthed into a legalistic law-based system. And it's thrusted into the new covenant. It says, what about this? Right. And you say, well, the cross took like care of Like you have to that. justify something. Yeah, right. you know? exactly. Like, oh, okay, here, we'll make an excuse for God real quick. Right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, what about this? Yeah. What, what about are you going to do with this? it across the table like there's a contract or something. Right. I had a, uh, I had a, like an old Acura back in the, back in the early 90s. And uh, you remember that car. And it had a short in it somewhere. Every time I would hit the brake, the radio would turn off. And I don't know what it was. I remember it was super aggravating, you know, because I'm listening to music. I go to stop. No music anymore. I let my foot <laughs> off the brake. Music again. And, and that's what it's like, really operating with the law when we want to sprinkle it in there. It's like everything's going good until something like this happens. And then really, more than anything else, it exposes how much legalistic old covenant cyanide thinking that is ingrained in us yeah, that right. we think we we've got it panned out on the big ones like i you know going to church on sundays and tithing you know those are the first ones we want to deal with and we're good with that one but when things like this happen is it it matriculates down into us so much more deeply into the way that we're thinking uh you know the law slides it across the table to us oh, oh yeah you're you 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 think in a graceful manner well what about coronavirus what are you going to do now right, you know right. and so it really it it dredges up in us some deep seated legalistic thinking at times which is good it identifies them. it identifies it so then we can well we we even talked about it this morning we're getting set up for for worship and we've done things a certain way for so long that it's like muscle memory and we're like hit this button do this but we're changing it and I think in the same way with, with everything that's gone down, with everybody kind of staying home, we don't know what to do with ourselves sometimes. We're like, wait, what do I do now? What time is it? Why is time going so slow? Why, why have I eaten three candy bars? I don't need to eat three candy bars. <laughs> wait, where did that come from? <laughs> so I'm just All saying. Right. Let's be honest, though, real quick. And I know that you've thought to yourself, man, it's nice to go to church in my pajamas. I know you've thought that. <laughs> I know you've thought it. You're sitting there with a cup of coffee right now. I don't even want to know what Nick Rhodes looks like. And, uh, you know, we're just, you know, come on. You kind of enjoyed it a little bit. Let's be honest. <laughs> so, but here's, here's what I think, and, and, and here's, especially in the context of what we're talking about, can God use this for good? Yeah, of course he can. It doesn't mean that he sent it so that. that that's the big difference. Can, can this be used for good? Of, yeah, of course it can. Well, been, even along those lines, I was thinking about this yesterday. Yeah. It, we have to be careful, though, and I know you're not doing this, right. but there's a way of thinking that can go along with that, that, like, God's an opportunist. 
in the sense that, you know, hey, mm-hmm. don't, don't let any good uh, crisis go to waste, you know what I'm oh, saying, yeah. in that sense. I never thought and, about but that. But that's not, when the Bible talks about, like, you know, God uses all things together for good, it's not like God's like, oh, great, I can take this, and man, I'm going to turn the world back to Jesus. No, right. it's not no, the way no, that no. it is. Yeah. It's more not so much that he's using it, it's that he's working despite it. Right. In that sense. And that's what I see, and not to sound super spiritual, but that's what I see in the spirit with the kingdom advancing. Because when when things begin to fall away and our muscle memory securities begin to, to get shaken a little bit, to me, it just clarifies what is the most important thing. And we've seen it even in, in homes and people playing games with their with their families and doing stuff is just seeing, okay, what is most important here in my life? You know, is how 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 do we how do we see the character of God in this? And it strips away a little bit of that, not that God is doing it so, right. but because the kingdom doesn't shake, because the kingdom doesn't move, because God is steady, and because he is true and his promises are real. Um, we begin to, as Christians, we should be, it should be more clarified. I think it should be clearer um, what the kingdom looks like on earth now. Um, and part of one of the scriptures I was going to read, I'm not going to go into now because we're already over anyway, and I want to take a few questions, but was that, um, God has not, he does not, he's not seeking to take us out of this world, and, his, and the scriptures tell us, no, and, and when Jesus is praying for us to his father, he says, no, um, um, don't take them out, and not only just the disciples, but all those that are going to believe in the future. We, I'm not looking to just snatch them out of the earth. I just want you to be with them like you're with me, and I'm with you, and he goes over that over and over again. Um, and the whole point is that this kingdom is not some faraway land, and it says it's not, the kingdom is not eat or drink. It's not about something, some physical location but it is uh, righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit that the kingdom is placed in his people on earth. And so when things begin to get shaken around us, and, and just like Ben was saying, if you fear, it's okay to recognize that fear and then set it aside because the kingdom, there is no fear. Okay, I see that this is happening, but this is not the kingdom. Let's set that aside. I, I see that I have some anxiety, but we fear not. We, you know, perfect love casts out fear. Let me focus on the perfect love that is in the kingdom. And so when we when the things begin, to, and I, I keep seeing this, that when these things begin to get shaken, and me too, us too, we, we see all the things, all the videos, all the different things. So we, there's times when I get a little shaken a little bit. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? You know, I get, I get emails from, from my employer, um, and they're saying everything is okay now, but we don't know what the future holds. There are things, well, okay, I've, just like you were saying, mortgage company still needs to be paid. Yeah, uh, but bills who, still need to be paid. who does know what the future holds? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If they send <laughs> me an email that says, hey, we know the future, I'd <laughs> yeah. be... You're just equally man, concerned. I signed up for the right I'm, job. Yeah, I'm <laughs> upset that your company doesn't know. I thought for sure that a spray equipment company had the future down pat. Man. So we, we're, it, we're, we're, we're back from the future. Again. It's all okay. Which comes one? Win, Which comes one? Win. <laughs> hey. Well, you yeah, know, one right. of these things when stuff like this happens is, is where, you know, there's something else I've seen. Or wait, you want to, before I say that, do you want to do questions rather than... Go ahead, and then we'll do questions. We're a little over. We're cool. I okay. mean, you can fast forward later if you want to, but yeah, it's not like anybody's going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, what, so what are you going to do? Yeah. Leave your living room? Yeah. No, no, anyway. they're, they're, playing, they're playing Candy Crush right now. <laughs> but um, it, one of the things that I've seen is, like, you know, God has sent this to, uh, you know, test our faith. That's something else that I've seen as well. Oh, yeah. And one of the, the greatest misnomers, I used to say it all the time, and it was one of the largest misnomers that I had in my life is that, God allowed tragedy to test my faith. Uh, we even apply that to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, you know, when he was out in the wilderness. And uh, we say, well, you know, he was tempted, you know. When we're as the, and First Peter talks about this. He says that when our faith is tried, that we might see that it comes forth as gold. So trials and difficulties, 
don't, they're there to show us just how big and how, you know, applicable and uh, practical our faith is, not to show us how weak it is. That's right. not what the things like this happen for. When they happen to us, it shows us just how strong we really are, right? though we don't feel it. The fear feels big, you know, and the faith doesn't always feel big. You know what I mean? Right. But the right. proof is in the pudding. Yeah. And how we may initially respond wrong, but I'm convinced as believers, ultimately we will take the, we're going to take the path of faith eventually. It is so hardwired into us to say that, I don't want to say that we don't have options, we do, but I'm just saying it's so much a part of who we are. We may get there like this rather than in a straight line, but we're going to get there and we're going to step into that place and we'll be like, you're going to see my faith, how strong it actually really is, right, right. not how weak it was. Right. All right, well, uh, we'll kind of transition here. If you guys have any questions, I'll try to get through. I'll, I'll try to see if we can uh, get through. Oh, you got one? <laughs> We got one in the house. What is it? <laughs> well, uh, y'all probably know my take on this already. You can, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, and if you, if y'all can't hear, I'll 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 kind of try to repeat the question best as yeah as an example if. Um, if you're saying we need to turn or change the way that we do things as a culture, we'll, we'll just throw it on America for now. Say, okay, well, let's put prayer back in schools. And that's, that's a common theme. I've seen other people talk about that too. Well, my first, my, my first reaction, my gut is you can't take prayer out of schools. It's impossible. You can't take the Holy Spirit out of people. You can't take prayer out of schools. Christians are going to do, Christians are going to be Christians regardless whether the law says they can or not. And, and that to me, that's a non-issue that kind of squashes it right there. But let's go ahead and take, let's go ahead and Let's go down that road. Okay, well, let's say it, it will squash what I just said. Let's just say, okay, we're going to put prayer back in schools. What's the result of that? Is, is that going to make God happy, essentially? Is that going to change? Is that what you're asking, basically? Is it? Right. So... Well, I mean, when Jesus said, I will build my church, he had the Mobile County Public School System in mind. <laughs> he did. Right. He was like, I will root the gospel in K-5 through 12th grade so that the world might turn to Jesus. And I'm being a little cynical, but that's about as much sense as it makes. Right, right. And, you know, uh, I, I, maybe this is a sidebar, but this is something that I've always thought. I think it's incredibly... Uh, unintelligent of us to put so much pressure on people that are still maturing mentally, emotionally, uh, and spiritually. To, well, we drop this bomb on them that you guys need to make this stand. Um, I mean, that's what adults are for. Adults protect children. Children don't make stands on behalf of adults. Right. You know, so to throw our kids out there and say, bless God, you tell them you want to pray at school. You know what I mean? That's If you're going to do it, it's your job. It's not their job. Yeah. So... Off the soapbox, I step. No, that's good. No, it's good. So, what, uh, anybody else have any questions? Let's see. Believe me, teachers are praying. Amen. My sister's a teacher. She said that. This one is. <laughs> so, teachers are praying. You're not going to stop people from praying. Come on now. There you go. Problem solved. Um, 
Let me back up. See if All I right, you, you guys have to type the questions with your thumbs and hit send. <laughs> yeah. All right, we can't do this. So. Yeah, so we're waiting. I mean, if you need to Google going a question, to, please, go ahead. They're going to outer space. We're waiting for them to come back. So while we're waiting, I'll try to back up because I think I saw one earlier. We were talking about this earlier. What about the whole, when people say we need to get back to God, I mean... That means we need to make it look like a Norman Rockwell poster. Exactly. That's, That's what that means. We watch you Andy, need to be Griffin able to, yeah, shows. Andy Griffin shows. Andy Griffin. We close all the stores on Sundays. We definitely well, do that. congratulations. I guess most stores are closed now. Yeah, boom, you All win. week. All week. So. I mean, you, you'd be able to leave your doors unlocked. You right. Know. Well, here, I, I got a question. I have a question from earlier. Uh, when we dismiss some of these principles, I guess we're talking about some of the, well, let me finish the whole thing. If we dismiss some of these principles, do we, do we not also miss opportunities to comfort people hurting? Can't we still say the Lord gives and takes away? Blessed be the name of the Lord. If he doesn't engage in nations in the same way he did in the Old Testament, after all, isn't he still sovereign in that he could have not allowed COVID-19? He's just chosen not to. So that's a, that's a good question. Okay, well, you know, that it, it's a good question, but it also kind of, again, it, you know, I don't want to make sure I word this right. <laughs> um, again, it does call into question the character of God um, because it's kind of like, well, you're, you're make, we're, we're making assumptions about the character of God based on what he did not do. So anytime these types of things happen, I always want to ask somebody, all right, think about yourself, all right, and put yourself in a position where you think to yourself, do you feel like that? you've taken advantage of a situation because of something that you did not do. And most people say, oh, well, I would never do that. You know what I mean? Why would I just sit back and let something bad happen and then swoop in and get all the credit for it? You know what right. I mean? And right. uh, that's not what God's doing here. His interaction with nations only occurred because of the nation's interaction with Israel. Right. That is uh, something that it, when you look back into the Old Testament— and you should like, oh, gosh, I can't believe they... <laughs> That's a very important it, point. Yes. It, say, it, say that one more time so everybody can get that. Oh, about gosh, how there's too much pressure. Sorry. Well, it's something to. what God's interaction with other nations was only because of their interaction with Israel. Right. And he, he even told Abraham that in Genesis chapter 12. He says, I'll bless them that bless you and I'll curse them that curse you. Yep. I mean... The Philistines should have known what's up. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, what's up? What's up? Come at well, me, bro. Yeah. You got hands? And you know that. So, I mean. Well, even he was, he's quoting Job, you know what I mean, in there. Right. And Job was basically saying, look, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So he was not interpreting what he was going through as, you know what I'm saying? Right. As God punishing him. You know what I mean? Or may, or God making an exclamation point about his character. Right. You know what I mean? He was even grabbing on to, right. to God in that and, and not looking at the circumstances as though right. that was the character of God. He was even, even through all that, that's a really good point too. Even through all that, he was hanging on to the goodness of God. And Job went through some stuff. Well, and I, <laughs> you know, it's, it, we go to Job. Uh, listen, one of the most theologically inaccurate, some of the most theologically inaccurate statements made in the entire scripture that are quoted on, from other people are made in the book of Job. I mean, his three friends, even his wife is completely misrepresented. You know, she gets thrown under the bus because yeah. she's like, I wish you just cursed God and die. She wasn't bitter at God. She was tired of watching her husband suffer, in my opinion. And she just assumed right. see him dead, then suffer. Yeah. But towards the end of the book, I'm trying to find the verse. Um, 
say some words, and I'll interrupt you in a minute because I can't find the verse. It's in chapter 42 of... Uh, say some words. Yeah, you say words, Put and then me I'll on jump the spot. <laughs> Hi. Well, I, I can't find the verse now. It's too much pressure. Um. I mean, I used to have the entire book of Job memorized. I had lots of words till you told me to pressure. say words. All right. Well, man. Well, you know, I guess I'll along the same lines, order. a common theme I've seen is God is allowed the, the virus because of abortion. You know, so God's response to our nation killing babies is to come in and kill more people, that that's kind of what it's God's judgment. Here it is. Can I interrupt? No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for the words. You held the mic words. Yes, you did. You held me up. You held me up there. Uh, so Job 42, um, this is in the mid, a middle of a quote, but I don't want to read all of it because it's too long. But uh, this is the end after everything's happened. Uh, Job said, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. And so what Job is doing is finally Job just erased the question mark that he had been throwing out there about God, the entire book of Job. Right. And he finally just puts a period. He goes, I see you now. And um, in the midst of any suffering, whether it be emotional, physical, mental, or whatever the case, that the, the goal, the God's goal is to help you see him because he has, he is what's best for us. He is, Jesus Christ is the whole man. He's the complete man as man should have been from the word go. Right. And um, when we see him, we see a picture of what it means to be healthy, you know, in every aspect of what it means to be a true human. When we look at Jesus Christ, we see what it means to be the, the human that uh, God originally and intended. And, and that's the representation that we have of God is Jesus, is in Jesus. He, there is no other. Right. He's the manifestation of God on the earth. And, and, he's, and that's the thing, going, going back to what we, we keep kind of, we end up back is the character of God. And we, for some reason, have turned God the Father into the Godfather as though he's, he's messing with us all the time. And that's not the character of God. God is not trying to, to trick you into loving him. And even going back to sin, we, we, make this, we put this big emphasis on sin. Um, and God's character is not as intimidated with sin at all. Um, but his heart is, is not just that you don't sin, but it's the results of sin that will hurt you. He doesn't want you to hurt. Right. That, that's the whole thing. God's not some cosmic killjoy that doesn't want you to enjoy life and to, and to have love and joy. He is life. He, he knows, is life. He knows he is what he's normal made, is. Right. He's made of this stuff. <laughs> And so what he's, what, when, when he talks about defeating sin, he's defeating sin so that you don't have to suffer because of the results of it. And so the very character of God, if we look at him from a perspective as though if we do this, he'll do this, especially in the New Covenant, if we, if we look at him that way, it's like he doesn't really know what to do and like he's confused about the whole thing when he's already, like, you, like Ben said, he's already put an exclamation point there. It's not a question mark. There's no, there's no confusion right. on what happened on the cross when it was finished and Jesus was seated and everything was done there because the gospel is about God's faithfulness exactly you know I mean the gospel is about you know his truth his unwavering mm -hmm. his obedience you know his dedication right that's what the gospel is about I mean now should these things breed into us obedience yes absolutely but at the end of the day none of these things mean anything until they become till it's it's God putting these things on display to us. Right. And for so long, my faithfulness 
and my obedience and my dedication and all of that was was the highlight or the thrust of what I do. But when I began to understand what the gospel is all about, he flipped the script on me. And right. honestly, it's taken me now years to just t- still take that in and breathe that in. And just We're not as open-minded as we think we are. Yeah. And I, <laughs> right. I think also if we, if we try to split up the Old Testament and New Testament as though they're just they're all different everything, we, we miss the big picture of the, of the, of the meta-narrative, the grand story. And so I think when, when we take, ooh, you like that? Meta narrative. So when, Make when, that word up. Is that a real take, word? No, it's a real word. And so when we, take, when we take these stories and we try to, as someone mentioned, applying Old Testament uh, principles to our lives, those can be good. There's nothing wrong with those. But if we don't see them for what they are as types and shadows of Jesus, then we, I think we miss the big picture. So if we say we need to take this, this, uh, this, this picture of Jonah and the whale and Nineveh and, and them sinning and turning from it, if we take that and we make that a principle and we try to grab it from there and put it over here without seeing Jesus in it, when it, all that was a type and shadow of Jesus when he was in the well for three days and then same way when Jesus was buried. When we see all these things, when we see David, M- M- Melchizedek, we see all these old, old. if we don't see Jesus in all the Old Testament stories and all the Old Covenant um, pictures and types and shadows of him, then we can, we can take those out of context and plop them down where they shouldn't be. All of those were pointing towards Jesus, every single one of them. From the beginning all the way to Revelation, Revelation is a revelation of Jesus. And so all these things are pointing towards Jesus. If we don't see it, the grand story like that, then we can begin to take these out and say, okay, well, I need to do this so that. Well, the morality that, the, the morality that we seek in the Old Covenant is now wrapped up in our relationship with the Christ of the New Covenant. You know, see, the number one question when it the number one question that comes up this whole law and grace and blessing cursing and bad things happen now what do we do usually always ends up in how do I behave to react to this situation to make the situation change to react to the situation not react to God correct and so it's like you have to go through God to get to the situation that you really want when it's actually God is not the situation. Right, right. He's, he, Christ is the goal. You see what I mean? Right. And when we flip back into the Old Covenant, I mean, how many Proverbs are there? I mean... All of them. All of them. 31. All the they're Proverbs. All, there's, 30, there's 31 chapters. 31 chapters. That's, I learned that in Bible college. You win. That's the only thing I remember. You win. Okay, well, I'm not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, all the Proverbs, all the Psalms, you know, we've, you know, we've got Ecclesiastes, all these principles of morality, how do we manifest them? Do we remember all that stuff and check it off every day when they come up? Or do we relate to the one that is wisdom? Uh, Do we relate to the one that is the substance of life rather than the vanity of the temporal? You see what I mean? And those things are byproducts. Yeah, it's relationship over law, like uh, Lynn Hiles calls them rules on rocks. Um, It's the difference between Jesus having a, a personal relationship with you and you trying to measure up to his standard, which you can never do. The law is good and just and holy. It just doesn't carry the power to make us good, just, and holy. It's not that the, it's not that the law is bad. It's good. The law is good. Every, every principle that the law tried to teach us through the Old Testament, through the Old Covenant, those, right. those principles are good. It's not that they're bad. It's that they don't, they don't possess the power. Well, Paul says the we don't law. We don't possess the power. Paul right. said the law is not faith. And we find in Hebrews, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we, to try to operate at a law, you're not, 
operating in the system that God wants us to operate right. in. Right. You know, so you, you can't eliminate the faith aspect of because it's what faith is it? If you do X, Y, and Z, you're going to get this. What faith is that yeah. in there? It's you know, it's a vending machine. And usually, well, when, when people come to me with that, I I, I don't know why I think of a uh, uh, pet detective when he's going ah, he's got the two arrows. <laughs> I always think of, of of when people come and they they try to bring this law argument to to God. I, I imagine him looking at Jesus, looking at you, and looking at Jesus, going ah, ah, ah. <laughs> like look at Jesus. Only right? your brain, only your brain. <laughs> but that's what I think about. Like, why are you missing? This is look at what I've done for you. Right, like look. Right. Look at how awesome this is. I, I've done it all for you, and I've given you this free gift, and you want, and you want to tr- now try to earn something that, that I've given you for free? <laughs> but, but two, also, uh, another thing uh, when it comes down to, to sin and justice, and, you, you know, we look at this, the horrible, you know, things that go on in the world. Yeah. And uh, another thing that gets misunderstood is that when grace came in and the new covenant is introduced, that somehow God changed his mind about what he thinks about sin. Right. And that's not the case. So if you want to think about what does God think about sin, just imagine the brutality that Christ went through, not just on the cross, but on his way through to the cross. Remember those images. If you have, if you've watched Passion of the Christ, you have the images of of what they are. That is what God thinks about sin. He became sin for us. Right. Exactly. By His stripes we were healed. Right. So God has not changed what He thinks about sin. And this pushes us also back into a scenario where we have to see the gospel as more than one, two, three, pray after me. We're forcing in a position to I where prefer one and we're done. One and we're done. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Just acknowledge. I like the vending machine. Yeah, just like a B6, I'll give me my tater this. chips, Right. you know. But, but really, I mean, everything that we're talking about isn't somewhere past the gospel where the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus is not applicable. Right. And I, that's, that is a major thing that we deal with in Christianity is because we're like, okay, thank you. I'll take the gospel. I'll put that right here in my back pocket <laughs> so I don't forget that. And now I'm going to go out and I want to deal with all this, all the situations of the world, all the relationships that I have to deal with, all the sickness and the death that has to come at me. And uh, I'll pull the gospel out and throw it at that when it applies, but only when it applies. Right. Because there's got to be some kind of principle that's going to help me walk through this. And I need to know what those five steps in that principle are. Yeah. Usually even numbers are better if you can give me four, six, eight, or ten steps uh, I don't do well with seven or I like you know I like ten. I've always you liked ten. you went with ten. <laughs> yes. You know, I'll yeah. probably I'll probably butcher this quote, but C.S. Lewis said something to the effect of I, Christianity to me is like the sun. It's not because I see it, but it's because of it I see everything else. In other words, um, this this life that I have with Jesus opens my eyes to. Uh, I keep coming back to the kingdom. It opens my eyes to an un, un a kingdom that I can't necessarily see. It opens my eyes to a new life. It's not, and we always say here, you know, Jesus didn't die to make bad people good. He died to make dead people alive. So there's a radical transformation that happens that changes your viewpoint on everything. And, and like Buddy was saying, it's not like we take the gospel, we put it in our back pocket and use it when we need it as though it's an addition to our lives. It right. is life itself. Right. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the, the gospel is who Christ is, is everything. You yeah. know, it's our eschatology. It's about, I keep using that word a lot today. I don't know why. But uh, it's. That's the, on you. I just no, use meta narrative. Yeah, I know, too. I'm just like. But uh, 
I'm still Googling that word later. I'm still but, trying to find a good Christocentric. Word in my mind. Yeah, Christocentric hermeneutic, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just toss that out at work randomly just yeah. to sound smart. Usually for hangman, I usually. Yeah, ooh, hangman even. <laughs> blank, 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 But uh, I, I don't even remember what we were talking about okay. now. So, boom, done, you win. Uh, uh, eschatology is what you said. Yeah, Something okay, that's right. Eschatology. And so we kind of see the gospel as a part of what we believe rather than everything that we believe. Right, yeah. Right. And it, I don't want to go down that road yet. Okay, you'll go. I was, you you said eschatology. You got, got me tripped oh, up. Oh, gosh. Go ahead. <laughs> Say words. <laughs> Say more smart spiritual words, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> no que- we don't, We're not getting very many questions. Why Any aren't questions? you sending on, questions guys. in? What are you doing here? Come questions, on, wake up. Questions, That's questions. That's because you're going to watch it later so you Pet can detective. fast forward. Thanks, Janet. Pet detective is what I was trying to say. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Well, I will say in Philippians, when Paul says in the, when he talks about prayer and supplications, a lot of times we look at prayer and supplication as a way of getting God to change circumstances. So, and that's not what Paul was saying. I mean, Paul was saying, look, let your request be made known, but in spite of you understand the peace still comes from God. Now, there's nothing wrong to pray to God and say, God, you know, heal people that are sick of these things, or God, stop the coronavirus. But at the end of the day, our peace is not about the coronavirus being stopped or, or people being, you know what I'm saying, people being healed by these things. So, you know, and, and it's just the idea that we can go to the Father. We can pray to the Father. You know what I mean? We can go to him, and it's not about our giving, our church going, everything that we do about kind of twisting God's arm to force him to bring blessings. It's knowing that you already are blessed. Well, just using the term father is very radical, especially associating with God. Um, and as, as a father, the way that I treat my kids help me understand how God treats me. So there are times when, you know, there's, there's always love, but there's, you know, there's times of correction. There's times, there's all these different uh, aspects to being a father, and and they come from a relationship. They don't come from just all the rules. Uh, I, I always use the example of, of Tracy and I as a married couple. If I check off the list of everything that a husband is supposed to do, does that in and of itself make a good marriage? And it does not. Uh, if I take out the trash, which I'm sure I probably need to do right now. That would help you if you it would. would I'm not that. saying it wouldn't help. These principles are good, and they might apply. But if I, you know, checked off all these things, you know, kiss her on her forehead before I leave every day and all these little things. Does that make love? Does that make a relationship? No, that's just a list of things that we do now from a place of love. If you do those things, that's a completely different ball of wax. It's funny because the law is the same way. I remember you said just because you don't kill somebody and you follow the command doesn't mean you're loving them. (laughs) Sometimes it might, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I love you so much, I'm not going to kill you. Exactly. I've done you a favor and not killed you, so you're welcome. And, I mean, Jesus talks about that. Look, you say don't murder, I say don't look at your brother in hate. Yeah. He was just identifying a heart issue that we had. You know, I've, you've heard it say don't commit adultery, but I'm saying if you lust after another woman. Basically saying you, the law, if you, if you want to live by the law, you ain't going to make it. Right. Essentially, this is, not, this is not a new set of laws that you can't follow. Good luck. You know, well, in these t- is, in times where things have question marks on them, uh, you realize just how un how, how there is no assurance in legalistic thinking, none, not at all. Matter of fact, when we say certain things like you know God sent the coronavirus, 
Well, we just put a whole lot of responsibility on ourselves. Oh, yeah. Whether we even realize that we've done it or not. Even the person that makes the statement is, in essence, insinuating that you are the problem and you need to be more dedicated like me because if you were, I, it, more of me would have stayed the judgment hand of God. Yeah, and that right. it's, it's insanely self-righteous to insinuate that my behavior dictates a God who knows everything and by whose being I live and move and breathe that I in some way, you know, down here in Mobile, Alabama, I am going to alter the world's events based on what I do and do not do. Yep. That one can you kicked that tipped the scales. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. That was it. It that's was all, on you, buddy. That's all it took. You know? And I, I want to encourage you, too. Everybody that's listening at home, I want to encourage you. Take all, if, you, if you have this idea or someone has placed this idea in your head, take every idea all the way to its end. Don't stop halfway. Take it all the way. Because if you take it all the way, you're going to find yourself at the end of your rope. As the Bible tells us, you'll be at the end of your rope, and you'll find death at the end without Jesus. And I think if we're going to blame somebody in situations like this, let's just blame the effects of sin. Let's not right. blame God. Let's right. blame sin. Yeah. You know what I mean? This right. world's broken because of sin. God's like, I am the remedy for this. Yeah, I've given you a solution. I've gi- I am, yeah, I'm the solution. Ah, there you go, exactly. And that will, that's pretty much going to sum up everything that we talked about today. That motion right there. there. You go. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, God, I, I keep coming back to that point that Ben said. It was an exclamation point. God made a point with Jesus. What's God saying? Look to Jesus. I know it's kind of the, 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 uh, the Sunday school version, the answer to everything is Jesus. The answer to everything is Jesus. Right. I mean, if, if, you, if you want to, to take the coronavirus or anything that's going on, look, look through the lenses of Jesus and find an unshakable kingdom. And, and everything that we do, don't just grab it out of your back pocket. Keep it on all the time, looking at everything. Everything right. that we do, we should be functioning from that place, from that unshakable kingdom, looking out. How can we... We, we talked about Jesus being the quote-unquote prototype or, or the picture of God on earth. Basically, God put skin on. Um, when we look at Jesus, that is how we should be uh, operating in, these, in every situation, but especially in these situations. We should be operating from an unshakable kingdom to those that are hurting around us, not trying to point fingers on why this is going on and how everyone else needs to fix it and how we need to change right. so that we can do it. Now, can we change? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with change. We don't need to. We don't need to. Is it necessary sometimes? Yeah, yes, it's necessary. Yeah. Is it beneficial? Yeah, it is beneficial. But is is the the, the world's pandemics resting on you? No, it's, well, it's not. I like it's not rest on you to cause it or to fix it. No, I I like what Paul told the Corinthians. He said he was worried that somebody was going to come in and remove them from the simplicity that they have in mm-hmm. Christ Jesus. And when when things like this happen, especially on a global scale, that's exactly what happens. Those come in and they try to easily remove the, and put the into question the character of God, the agenda of God, all of these things come in by social media or whatever um, and, and and try to remove us from the simplicity that there we have. There's something Jesus. that's simple. Yeah. It's, and, and that's, there's nothing that makes you want to question something faster than, well, they can't be that easy. Can't be that simple. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it is. Paul says I was worried that as as the serpent beguiled Adam and Eve, 
You know what I mean? They're going to come in the same way. Yep. And I see that same, the, the very spirit of, of the way the serpent did those things come in and did that to me and still tries to do that to me. It's a difference in operating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. It doesn't matter if you have good fruit off the wrong tree, you're on the wrong tree. <laughs> right. It's, you, we need life. We don't need, you know, a scale. We, we started watching the, uh, what's that show called? The Good Place. Tiger King? No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we started watching The Good Life, and in The Good Life, there's a score. You have to score a certain amount. <laughs> you have to score a certain amount. The Good Place, yeah. You have to score a certain amount to get to The Good Place, which is heaven in this show. And it's, it's, there's, there's some really good biblical truths that are sprinkled in there. It's a funny show, and, you know, it's, it's, some analogies will break down in it, but there's really good points that the, the system is broken is eventually, spoiler alert, and some of them, they'll say, hey, the system's broken here. This is, this, the odds are stacked against them. They can, this guy bought a piece of fruit, and he didn't know that this was child labor that grew this fruit in another country, and so his score, he didn't even know. And there's, there's all these little biblical truths that are sprinkled in there that are like, the, the, the cards are stacked against them, basically, in some of the scenes. I'm like, oh, this is good, because it is. You're not gonna, there's nothing you can do to, to make it on your own without Jesus. It never, I don't think it quite points you to, to Jesus in the show, but there are places that you can pull Your official in. non-endorsement, right? It is what it is. Neither, but, uh, neither does the Matrix, but people say Oh, my gosh. Watch your mouth. Does. All right, all right, here we the go. Matrix, matrix sign, people. <laughs> I think it's interesting you point out a second ago that, you know, they, Adam and Eve were told not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. So there, there's, there's something that we can take and apply to ourselves with it, but in the end results in death. Right. All right. I think we're good. We're, any, we hadn't, we, I haven't seen a question in a little while. I guess you guys don't have questions, so I guess we explained everything. Good job, guys. You explained everything. No, hardly you, any questions. You win. You, you know all 31 <laughs> by heart. <laughs> and and he's going to recite them right now. And I can count in somewhat consecutive order. Ooh. Mm. All right. Um, love you guys. We'll, I guess we'll pray <laughs> since, since we're just kind of sh- shooting from the hip here. Um, <laughs> Nick said the good place has some hilarious one-liners. Yes, it does. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, uh, we'll, this will be recorded so you guys can go back and watch it. If you missed anything, go back and watch it. Share it if you want to. Um, Hopefully, if, if there's questions in the future when someone's watching this in the future, post them. We may or may not get to them at some point. I guess we will. Maybe somebody will tackle them. Um, but hopefully we clarified some things. Hopefully uh, we could take a little bit of fear away. Hopefully you guys can see the unshakable kingdom through everything that's going on around us. Um, we, uh, I speak for these two, but we love you guys. We want, uh, we want to um, see, see us through this whole situation. Everything is kind of weird right now we're, we're no one's pretending like it's not everything's a little different um even it's the way just as weird for us as it is for it's just as weird for us as it is for you um so uh we appreciate like i said in the beginning we appreciate um the giving that you guys have have done to keep us afloat through this um everything is still looking good financially as far as we can see we have prepared over the years to 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 be wise with the money that we have so we should we should make it through this no problem um um, I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by you guys. Thank you for spreading the good news through all the social media platforms that we have. I encourage you to continue doing that. You guys are the church, and through whatever means possible, I want to encourage you to keep giving good news, um, regardless of what we see going on around us. We're not ignorant. We are safe, and we are caring for those that are around us. But at the same time, 
We want to spread the good news of an unshakable kingdom, so continue to do that. Love you. We're going to pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll get out of here. Uh, Lord, uh, we just love you, and we praise you. Um, we thank you that you, did, you placed an exclamation point when Jesus said it is finished, and he is seated at the right hand of God. Um, he, uh, he already did it all um, for us, and we, we pray that anyone listening to this would recognize the good news of the gospel, the, 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 the good news of the good news, um, that, that you have done it all and that we can have faith in that, that our faith is in you. And regardless of what we see going on around us, um, our kingdom is unshakable and it is in you. And we thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.